glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Somebody touch me, glory, glory, glory. Somebody touch me, glory, glory, glory. Somebody touch me. Yo sé que es la mano el Señor. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. me toca, Gloria. I know one Spanish song. Praise God. Well, we bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving and we offer up to you the sacrifices of prayer. Yes, oh, we bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Oh, we bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Oh, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we don't want to take anything for granted, God. We don't want to take anything in this life that we have for granted. We want to be thankful for every breath, for everything, oh God. The fact that we can walk and see and hear and listen and believe, oh God. The fact that we have breath in our bodies today. Hallelujah, Lord. The fact that we have your peace 
that passes all understanding today in Jesus' name. Don't forget your Christmas for Christ offering is due on the 17th of December. Please get that in as soon as possible. Don't wait till the 17th. Amen. December 24th, we're having one service, prayer at 10, service at 10.30. We're going to hear from our pastor on that day. And then finally, the New Year's service will be at 5 p.m. on the 31st. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Oh, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Oh, lift your banner, let the anthems ring. We'll praise us to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Oh, yeah. Oh, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Yes. Oh, great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Oh, lift your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Oh, great and mighty is He. One more time. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Oh, lift your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We praise and glorify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me. I will not withhold, and if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, 
Help me remember Calvary's cross and be willing to say yes. I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me, I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, Help me remember Calvary's cross and be willing to say yes. I will give you all. I will give you all. All is what you ask of me. I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, help me remember Calvary's cross and be willing to say yes. Oh, thanks. Thanks, I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed, my soul has found rest. Oh Lord, I give you Let's sing that from deep in our hearts today. Thanks. Thanks. Think about what you need to be thankful for right now. Oh, for all you have done. I am so blessed. My soul will found rest. Oh, Lord, I give you thanks. Let's sing that again. Oh, thanks, thanks. I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed, my soul has found rest, oh Lord, I give you thanks. Let's just thank Him right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank You. We thank You, Jesus. We thank You, Jesus. Thank You for Your love and mercy. Praise God. Let's lift up the name of Jesus Christ, for He is worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. He has done everything for us. He's given everything for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is okay for you to ask of me, and I will give whatever you ask. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your excellent loving kindness. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your great and long-suffering patience toward us. Thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We seek your face. We desire you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. He's done literally everything for us. Everything that we had need of, everything we have need of, He does. What a good God, what a great God that we serve. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of our full attention. He's worthy of our full service. Praise God. And whatever he asks of us, that should be okay. That should be just fine. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to enter into your presence. Help us, Lord Jesus, to touch you and to be touched by you, to hear your voice. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord Jesus, to minister unto you this morning with our worship and with our praise and with our giving of thanks. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to worship you for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's all right, church. We got all the time in the world for this. To entertain the presence of God. To minister to Him. As He so graciously ministers unto us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Minister, now I pray to your people. Minister to those present, I pray, within the sound of my voice. Minister to each circumstance and situation, I pray. I pray, I pray. Meet the needs of your people here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless your people, thou most high. Bless them in this place. Bless them online. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While we are in the presence of God, we have a couple needs that I'd like us to to pray for. Uh, Sister Barbea is... uh, she needs prayer this morning. Amen. Uh, if there are ladies that could gather around. Oh, is she, she's not here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so we want to pray for her. Amen. Uh, Brother Shepherd, uh, he had a debilitating incident last night. Uh, we want to pray for him. Amen. There are many needs represented here. Not the least of which is... Uh, They need to receive from the Lord this morning. Amen.
It is always our desire, I hope, I think, it's mine, to receive a fresh word, to receive uh, something new from the Lord, because that's the kind of God that I serve. He makes all things new. He desires to do a new thing, sing unto the Lord a new song. Amen. I love it. I love it when he supersedes all of my expectations. He does that so easily. Amen. So as we call out to the Lord for these needs, let's remember who it is that we're calling out to. The Lord on high. He sits upon the throne. He is high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. He is in charge. He is in control. Praise God. And his word and his decrees go forth. And all of creation rewrites itself to accommodate its creator. Praise God. Let's call out on the King of Kings this morning. In faith believing, Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the covenant promises that we've received of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We cry out to you now for Brother Shepherd, for Sister Barbet. We pray, Lord, for all of those here present that need a healing touch. Any circumstance, every situation that requires your assistance, your aid, your intervention, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move mightily, that you would move freely, that you would be released into every circumstance and situation here this morning. I pray, O oh God, that you would arise and that your enemies would be scattered, that your decree would go forth, that the word of the Lord would go forth, that your covenant promise would be declared and stood upon in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do declare your promise of healing. We declare your promise of salvation, of deliverance, of restitution, of provision. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we stand upon the word of the Lord today. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We stand upon it because it is yea and it is amen. It is a sure foundation unto us. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is no fool who puts his hope in you. Some trust in horses and some in chariots. But I will call upon the name of the Lord God of hosts. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we will declare the salvation of the Lord. We will declare the goodness of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you for what we're about to receive. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in every circumstance and in every situation you are at work that you are working miraculously and wondrously and gloriously, your ends, your perfect will. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor. Thank you, Jesus, for your manifest presence here today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing, for entertaining the presence of God. You may be seated. Amen. Before we start, I want to extend a hearty thank you to Brother and Sister DeMuth for, amen, amen, for hosting our Christmas party this year. What a great job. What a great job they did. It was so good. Everything was perfect. And everybody being there, that was, that was awesome. I've said before, and I did it again last night, I just sat back and Watched everyone talking and smiling and laughing, and it was good to my soul. 
Fellowship is biblical. Fellowship is spiritual. It's book of Acts. Amen. It's necessary as well. And I was I was blessed. So thank you. Thanks to all uh, all of you that helped, helped decorate, helped tear down, clean up. Thank you for doing that. Amen. <clears throat> Our scripture text is going to be found in the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Starting with the first verse. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, the Bible states this. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh thither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? <clears throat> and he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. We'll speak for the remainder of this service on this topic. Who does God choose? Who does God choose? We've prayed. We've asked God's blessing. Thank you. You can be seated. So we come to this account in our hearing today toward the end of a process. We find Moses not in a uh, floating reed, not in a uh, king's palace, but on the backside of the desert. Eighty years old, tending sheep. He was miraculously delivered from the decree of Pharaoh and ended up being raised in Pharaoh's house. He was raised by his mother, Jochebed, who taught him about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had such great potential, such high promise. He could have been ruler in Egypt, a Jew sitting upon the throne. Think of the good he could have done for his people. 
the power he would have wielded in behalf of his countrymen. Think about it. All that potential. But we find Moses currently working for his father-in-law Jethro, tending sheep on the backside of the desert. Not even his sheep. Somebody else's sheep. Keep in mind, again, that Moses is 80 years old at this point. His financial planner is not looking favorably upon Moses' portfolio. Retirement doesn't seem like a possibility right now. He had everything going for him. Everything. The world was at his fingertips. And this is where we find Moses today. We know that Israel had been enslaved by Egypt. The very place that God led his children to had become the place of their captivity. Ever do the will of God and suffer for it? Ever do the the will and plan of God and pay a price for it? We see that once or twice in Scripture, don't we? I heard a sermon on Paul one time. Talked about Paul floating in the deep on a shipwreck, being betrayed by countrymen, being whipped, just looking around, floating on a piece of driftwood and say, isn't it great serving Jesus? Isn't the blessings of the Lord wonderful? Y'all have been there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Daniel was obedient to the the commandment of God. He prayed to God regularly. And he got thrown in the lion's den for it. The three Hebrew children would not bow to the idol in accordance with the word of God. They were thrown in a fiery furnace for their problem, for their trouble. God has his reasons for allowing this to happen, though. Very good reasons. Israel was here on purpose. They were suffering what they were suffering on purpose. Israel was here by the express will and plan of God. Do you think they would have ever wanted to leave if they had it good in Egypt? Would you? No, I got it good here. I got a profitable business. I'm, I'm an esteemed member of the community. Do you think you'd go where God is leading you if you continued to be at ease where you're at? I look at the first century church. How it was all bunched up in Jerusalem. Till it wasn't. Why wasn't it? Yeah, it got uncomfortable in Jerusalem. God had to get them uncomfortable so that they'd move. And move they did. And they took the gospel wherever they did go. And it spread like wildfire. The purpose and plan of God was accomplished.
Sometimes God's going to make it uncomfortable for us, church. And that's on purpose. So rather than complaining, why me? Why now? Why this? Just ask God, what are you trying to do here? What do I need to do to grow through this? What do I need to do to, to get to where you want me to be? So Moses, he sees this burning bush. It's on fire, but it's not consumed. And as Moses approaches the bush, as Moses purposes in his heart to see what's, what this bush is all about, I would see this great sight. I would see what's going on here. And he purposes in his heart to do that, and he moves toward the bush. And the Bible says when God sees that in Moses, he begins to speak to him. What would have happened, I wonder, if Moses would have just looked at the bush and eh, went on his way? What would have happened? It's very possible that he would have completely missed it. He would have completely missed the plan of God. I don't know if that's the case, but it's certainly possible. When God is trying to get our attention, is he able to? Are we looking for him to speak with us? We see something out of the ordinary. We feel something in our spirit out of the ordinary. Do we just chalk it up to pizza or indigestion and move on? Or do we stop and consider, is God trying to speak with me? Is God trying to get my attention? We ought to be looking for that, folks. We ought to be looking for those times when God is speaking to us. We need to expect that because he wants to speak with us. He wants to direct us. He wants to call us into new and wonderful areas. But if we don't hear him, we, it's possible that we'll miss it. And as God begins to speak with Moses, it begins to tell him how he wants to use Moses and how he wants to, to direct his life and what he wants to do through Moses. Moses is like, who am I that you would send me? What do you suppose Moses was, it seems like, more than a bit hesitant to accept what God was saying here? For that matter, why do you suppose we are? Why is it that when God tells us these wonderful things, I mean, they seem like ridiculous things that God wants to do in our lives. Crazy things. Why do we doubt? Why do we question? Yeah, maybe for someone else, but me? Why me? Some observations I'd like to make. God called Moses when his schedule was full. Moses was tending a great flock of sheep. Now, it may not have been the highest calling, the greatest calling, certainly compared to what Moses used to do. But he was certainly, his schedule was all full up. He was at work, folks. He was getting stuff done. He had grown up in the home of Pharaoh with privilege and comfort. 
But now he was working as a shepherd, 80 years old, and now God decides to call him. Now God decides it's time. How does your schedule look? Are you being profitable? Are you redeeming the time? God always calls those who are working. Elisha was plowing in the field when God called him. 1 Kings 19.19 says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he, with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. What Elijah was not doing was sitting in the shade drinking lemonade. He wasn't sitting under the shade tree reading a book. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll take care of stuff later. I just need some me time right now. And hey, folks, nothing wrong with a little me time. We need downtime, too. Don't get me wrong here. We need a little R&R every once in a while. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, the ratio is we work a lot, rest a little. That's the ratio. It's kind of a six-to-one ratio. Six days thou shalt labor. Do all thy work. On the seventh day, that's our Sabbath. That's our rest. The apostles were working when they were called. Matthew four eighteen through 22 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. They were at work. They were trying to catch fish. I don't know how profitable it was that day, but they were doing what they needed to do. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. At work. Taking care of business. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Matthew 9, 9, we read the calling of Matthew. Sitting at the receipt of custom. Say what you want about his job but he was hard at it he was doing his job jesus saith unto him follow me and he arose and followed him david was out in the field tending his father's sheep when god was looking to anoint him to be king over israel he didn't even get called because he had a job to do someone's got to watch the sheep that's david's job Exodus 34:21 we already spoke of 6 days thou shalt work but on the 7th day thou shalt rest nearing time and in harvest thou shalt rest looks like a 6 to 1 ratio someone does speak to us though when we're idle the enemy calls when we're idle or we're just sitting around on board How in the world could a Christian be bored? I uh, People tell me that. 
I hear the words coming out of their mouth, but I don't understand the situation. There are times I I would like to be bored. <laughs> It'd be kind of nice every once in a while. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's plenty to do. There's plenty for our hands to do. Amen. The enemy calls when we're idle, folks. God calls when we're working. God called Moses when the situation was bleak. In Egypt, there was a pharaoh that knew not Joseph nor Joseph's God. Before this one, they had it good. Joseph was the number two. Pharaoh really respected Joseph. Everything was good. They moved to Goshen. They were prosperous. God multiplied them exceedingly. Everything was good. And then this happened. Taskmasters had been set up all over over the Israelites to cause them to labor in bitter bondage. And Pharaoh was thinking to himself, you know what? What if these Israelites are no longer interested in working for free? What if they get the idea that they'd like to be paid for this? What if they get the idea that because they're so frustrated, they want to side with an enemy when we go to war? So he put them in a position where that wouldn't happen. Now, 40 years earlier... Things were very different for Moses. Moses knew God wanted to use him to deliver Israel at this point. I'll show you that later. But just be aware, he already knew that God was wanting to use him to deliver Israel. And then Moses had political power. Moses could have gotten things done back then. And he tried. He tried to. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know who I'm called to be. Let's get this done. He could have gotten things done back then. Now, I'm just a shepherd tending a bunch of sheep in this desert. What can I do now? You ever think that? Maybe I could have done something for you before, God. Maybe you could have used me before, but now, today, where I'm at, too little, too late. Moses sees the situation for what it is, from his perspective anyway, absolutely hopeless. Where before I could have done something, I can't do anything now. Folks, God delights to deliver in impossible times. In fact, God seems to wait until things are impossible before he starts to work. I think of poor old Lazarus. All he needed was a healing. But Jesus delayed. And he delayed. And he delayed some more. Until poor Lazarus finally died. 
Now Jesus can find the time to come to poor old Lazarus' tomb. For the express purpose of demonstrating the power of God. That people would believe in him. Not just for yesterday. And not for tomorrow. But for the here and now. For today. The fiery furnace. There was nothing left after that. That was so hot it burned up the guards that threw him in. What hope do they have? Well, now that it's impossible, here comes God. Fourth man in the furnace. That's what God does, folks. That's what he's about. What's your testimony? What impossible things has God done in your life? What unlikely things has God brought to bear in your life? What has he yet to accomplish? What does he have yet to do? What does he want to do yet? And here's the kicker. God called Moses after his previous efforts had failed. Exodus 2, 11 through 15, relates to us this account. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedst the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. His previous efforts to aid his people not only didn't succeed, they utterly backfired. Not only did he not do anything to help his people, he did everything to ruin his present circumstance. It just it blew up. It blew up in his face. Acts chapter 7 relates this account, starting with verse 20. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nursed up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nursed him for her own son. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. So now, 40 years after the fact, 80 years old, backside of the desert, God comes and calls him. God says, now it's time. What do you mean now it's time? 
I tried this already. I tried what you told me to do and it didn't work. Or maybe he was saying, God, I thought I knew what you were calling me to do. God, I thought I understood what you told me, but I must have got it wrong. Some of us know this pain, this experience. Know for a fact God's called you to do something. Know for a fact that God is desiring to use you in a certain area. Nothing seems to open up. It just, nothing seems to work. You get frustrated, you try to force it, fall flat on your face. Well, we understand here and now in this hearing that uh, there is such a thing as God's timing. God's calling, when God comes to us initially, that is not necessarily God saying, go out and do it. That's probably God saying, I need to get you ready so that when the time comes, you'll be able to do it. Joseph had a bunch of dreams. But none of them came true for a long time. In fact, the exact opposite happened. He became a slave. He became a prisoner. Not exactly what the dreams were talking about. Kind of the exact opposite. And I can imagine that in some nights in his cell, he had some questions about those dreams. Did I understand this correctly? Were those dreams from you? One wise man told me a long time ago, never doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. And that is absolutely true. Because it's very easy to get to the place where we start questioning and start doubting. I think of John the Baptist, when he was in his prison cell. Are you the one that we look for, or should we look for another? He'd already declared publicly that this was the one. Jesus was the Messiah. But now he was questioning the very tenets of his doctrine. It's not that hard to get there. So understand, God's calling That's true. What God spoke to you is true. It will happen. I don't know when. I don't know what preparation needs to happen until that can take place. In Moses' case, I feel like God had to get Moses out of the way so that God could finally work through him. We see in Moses' younger years a desire to do it on his own, his way. Didn't consult God, didn't, how are we going to do this? What's the plan? 
Went out and tried something. Moses had been high and mighty. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He had political power, clout. The guards, I imagine, probably bowed in his presence. But now he was humbled. He was meek. The Bible says later, the meekest man on the face of the earth. Moses was full of self-confidence. Now he could finally rely on God because his self-confidence was now gone. He was and is God's chosen man for this occasion, but the timing just wasn't right yet. Many things, great things, need to get worked out in us sometimes before we're ready to fulfill the calling and plan of God in our lives. And that's just the way it is, folks. I know of people that have been called to preach, called to to full-time ministry when they were teenagers. But if they went out and started doing it when they were teenagers, they'd have crashed and burned. They just weren't ready. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to get ready. We've got a purpose in our hearts to move forward with that plan, to let God purge us, to let God work things out in our lives, to let God recreate us so that we are the, the, the people that God needs us to be for that task. Joseph wasn't ready to be the number two guy in Egypt when he received the dream. But after everything he went through, God said, okay, now you're ready. And when he was ready, it happened fast. It happened within the space of an hour. Pharaoh called him up. They got him prepped quick, fast, and in a hurry. And he got up there. Boom, 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 boom. You're the guy I want to use to do it. Gave him a ring, gave him clothes, gave him a new name, a bride, gave him the second chariot. Boom, he's in. Just like that. Where before it seemed absolutely impossible. For Moses, hearing God say, I'm going to use you to do this, this, and this. It must have seemed impossible. Now he was ready, folks. Now everything, now everything was gelling. God said, okay, you're ready. Now it's time. Let's do this. And it happened. And God started using him. There's always a time of preparation in the backside of the desert before God reveals his chosen to the world. Amen. Moses obeys God and answers the call. We understand that as we read the rest of the story, rest of the account. So how does things work out for Moses? How do things pan out for him? Well, we know the things that God did through him. Mighty signs and wonders in Egypt. God through Moses delivers Egypt with a, delivers Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Parts the Red Sea. Provides for him in the desert. Food and water. 
gives them victory over their enemies. Does everything they need done. But how do things work out for Moses himself? Well, we see uh, more than once they try to rebel against Moses. You take too much on yourself, Moses. God speaks to us too. We're, we're Levites just like you. There's no difference here. Well, yeah, maybe a little bit though. Maybe, maybe a smidge. So he dealt with all that. He dealt with the constant murmuring and complaining. All the faithlessness of the children of Israel. But Moses personally, his relationship with God was second to none. Now I want to read some passages of Scripture detailing that. Numbers chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. His number two guy. That's great. Spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Okay, fair enough. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not also spoken by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Probably in no small part because of his time of preparation on the backside of the desert. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three under the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud, and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. The Lord took that personal, coming against his, his guy, his servant. Moses, we see, we see Moses responding to these, not really at all. He doesn't really say anything uh, when people come up against him. He lets God speak. He lets the Lord fight his battles. Exodus 33:17 through 23 says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. 
And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee by my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Continuing with 34, verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tablets, which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. This is for you and me alone. No one else. I like that. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He saw God. God revealed himself the way, in a way that hadn't been seen heretofore. This was a new thing, folks. God hadn't done this with anyone before, but he did it with Moses. In this dispensation, this dispensation of the law, God hasn't spoken to anyone face to face like he did with Moses. In fact, continuing on, verse 29 of Exodus 34 came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand when he came down from the mount that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Amen. Moses was mightily used by God in signs and in wonders and in great terrors. Absolutely. There's, no, there's certainly no doubt of that. He was right in the middle of God's plan for that dispensation. God gave to Moses the law, the covenant between God and the children of Israel. God used Moses to usher in an entirely new dispensation, an entirely new covenant with his people. He used Moses to do that. But I think the most important thing that ever happened in Moses' life is that he had a relationship with God that no one else had. That's what really, that's what really strikes out at me. 
the relationship that him and God had together. When God called Moses to reveal himself to him, he said, no one else comes up. No one else even touches the mountain. This is just for you and me. What an awesome God that we serve, folks. That he wants that kind of a relationship with us. That he calls us into that kind of a personal relationship. The Bible says that he loved the world and died for it. But in God's mind, he died for you. He's wanting to establish a relationship not with the world, not with humanity, with you, with a person, a person that he created, a person that he infused with promise and potential, with calling, a person that he desires more than anything to have a relationship with, a close, growing, personal relationship. And if that causes you to wonder and to question and to, I get it, I was there once too, but I would just recommend suspend all of that, just accept that it's true, that he loves you that much, that he wants that relationship with you, that he desires to use you in a way that none of us can imagine. Just accept that it's true. Rejoice in the fact that it's true. And in this dispensation, folks, we can have even better than Moses. Because Moses saw God on the outside. We have him living on the inside. Moses had the law an external set of rules and regulations, but we have been transformed by the power of God. We have been made new creatures in Christ. That seems to be my new verse for the week. I love that verse. Like Brother Norris would say, that's my favorite, favorite verse. (laughs) He had a lot of favorite, favorite verses. Amen. So when God calls you and he prepares you and he begins to use you, understand that it's a wild, crazy ride. It's awesome. Hang on and and try to keep up with what God's trying to do. But at the same time, Understand that the most important thing about God's calling is that he calls us to a very personal relationship with him. He wants an intimate, close, personal relationship with each and every one of us. He loves us so much, so very much. We're not perfect. We fail. We fall on our face. We try stuff. It doesn't work. We get the timing wrong. 
everything wrong you can imagine, someone's done it somewhere. But God loves us. And if we'll continue to submit ourselves to Him, let God pick up the pieces. Let God make things right. Let Him move you forward. Continue to move you forward. I don't care what you've done, and God doesn't either. I don't care who you are, and God doesn't either, other than the fact that you're a child of God, that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That's all God sees, folks. God doesn't see what you see when you look in the mirror in the morning. He doesn't see that at all. There's nothing in his mind about what you used to be, what you used to do. That doesn't exist in God's mind. He has chosen to forget all of those things, and forgotten them he has. You are the called of the Lord. You are the chosen of God. Amen. What a privilege that is. What an awesome privilege it is to be his chosen. The apple of his eye. The desire of his heart. And he wants to use you mightily. He wants to use you wondrously. Whatever you've done for God in the past, fantastic. We praise God for that. We worship God for that. But that was for that period of time. This is today. God's desiring to do great and mighty things today. And he wants to do them through you and through me. Who does God choose? He chooses you, each and every one of you. He chooses you in your youth. He chooses you in your old age. He chooses you in your middle years. He chooses you in your weakness and in your failings. He chooses you. God makes up the difference, folks. He makes it up. Just say yes. Don't think too hard about it. Don't rationalize it. Why me? Why not? Why would he do that? Why would he say this? Just thank him for it. Walk forward in it. As if it's actually true. Let's all stand. This altar is open if you wish to avail yourself of it. But in any case, let's pray. Let's seek the face of God. Because more than anything, what God desires from us is a relationship with Him. Fellowship with Him. Amen. Lord Jesus, we see in your word the lengths that you're willing to go through 
to bring us into your presence. To lead us to a place of repentance unto salvation. We see in your word and we we see from experience the things that you're willing to do in our lives to move us into the place that you need us to be. If your people struggle this morning with the idea that you love them unconditionally, if they struggle with the the concept of, of unconditional love, that somehow if they would just get this right or if they would do this better, then you'd love them more. Help them to know, Lord Jesus, that that is simply not true. You can't love them anymore. There's nothing they can do to make you love them more. There's nothing they can do to make you love them any less. Your love is perfect. It's pure. It's unconditional. And because you love us, Lord Jesus, help us to receive that love. Help us to possess that love, to take ownership of it. That love that you have bestowed upon us so that we can in turn love each other, love ourselves, love you. I pray, O God, help us to have a proper understanding, a proper understanding of your love for us, a proper understanding of who we are in you, a proper understanding of your desire for our lives. First and foremost, Lord, you desire a relationship with us, to have fellowship with us, Men, women, they may say things, they may do things to me that aren't right, that are offensive, that hurt. People are people. But Lord Jesus, you will never, you will never do those things. When you establish a relationship with me, it is forever and ever. When you establish your covenant relationship with us, you never walk away from that. You never leave us or forsake us. You always stick by us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We are so thankful for you. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus for the relationship that we have with you. When I begin to understand the relationship that Moses had with you, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how close you desire to draw nigh unto us. But we can get closer. We can get closer because we're new creatures in you. Hallelujah, Jesus. This new covenant has made provision for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you continue to lead us and guide us into your presence. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you continue to reveal yourself unto us more and more. Here a little, there a little. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know you, the power of your resurrection, and the fellowship of your suffering. 
Help us, Lord Jesus, to know you, to see you as you truly are. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have called each and every one of us. You have called us to a relationship with you. You have called us to do great and mighty things that we know not. You have called us to do exceeding wondrous things. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Through the power of God, through the name of Jesus Christ, you have called us to do miraculous things. But Lord Jesus, those things pale in comparison to a relationship with you. The miracles, signs, and wonders are meaningless if we don't have a relationship with you. Like standards without holiness. Those things are meaningless. They're worthless without a relationship with you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We're not seeking a blessing. We're not seeking a gift. We're not seeking a sign or a wonder. We're seeking you, thou most high God. We're seeking to draw nigh unto you. We're seeking a closer walk with you. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
maybe I'm still, I don't know if passion is the right word, but we'll try it and see what happens. Maybe I'm so passionate about this topic because it it took me so long to understand it. It took me so long to finally accept it and, and see it. And now that I do, it's an absolute game changer. It's night and day difference. I can't begin to explain what a what a a freedom, a liberty that brings. Uh, to know that every day, every day of my life, God wants me. He desires me. He, and not because of what I can do for Him, not because of anything I can bring to the table, just because I'm His child. I'm His child. And he wants to spend time with me. It's just, when I was in the world, I couldn't, I couldn't have ever understood that. Everybody wants something. If I don't bring something to the table, I'm going to be kicked to the curb. <clears throat> that's just the way it is out there. At least that's the way it was for me. I, it took me so long to understand that. God's not like that. God doesn't need anything that I can bring to the table anyway. He already has it. He's the one that gave it to me in the first place. He just wants to spend time with us. He loves us. And the sooner his people can get a hold of that, I mean, it's, I don't know anymore if you can really do what God wants you to do without that. I, I, don't, I don't think it's really possible. We need that revelation. We need that understanding that God loves you no matter what. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for the covenant relationship that you've established with each of us. I'm so very thankful, Lord Jesus, that, that you love me. And, and more than that, that you've helped me to understand that. And you've helped me to accept it and to, to move forward in, in that truth. Oh, hallelujah. I delight myself in the Lord my God. I rejoice in the God of my salvation. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in what you've done in my life. I rejoice in who you are, who you're making me to be. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray a, bl a blessing. I pronounce a blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus upon your covenant people today. Help us to walk with you this week. Bring us back to your house at the day appointed. Use us mightily. Draw us nigh unto you. Help us to, to build a relationship with you this week. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for your kind attention.